Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and joining me as always is my co-host, Alessandro Senator. And I guess you're not just a co-host tonight, but you are in fact a special guest, Alessandro. How does that make you feel? Makes me feel special that I want to take flight. A pun? Did you just yes. use a pun? You must be you must be in a great mood. It's almost I, as if we're talking we're actually gonna talk about your jets for the entire episode and no other team. Really? I I, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't think of that. Well, um yeah. Uh I mean I, I, well, I guess for you it doesn't make a difference to talk about the Jets every episode anyway, but yeah, now we get to focus fully on the Jets and we're not allowed to talk about any other team. Ooh, I like uh, this. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But of course, uh, it's just like our Packers episode. Oops, talked about another team. Sorry, broke it already. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> oh, all of right. course, I mentioned the Packers. But during our Packers episode, it was uh, you were grilling me, acting like the very tough host. So I oh. guess I have to play that play play that role now. I'm I'm tough. I'm I'm the host. Just remember, Kyle. No one puts baby in the corner. <gasps> it's a Fall Out Boy song, right? Stop. Just go. Just, just, just do it. Just go. Slay me. All right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's get right into it. I mean, first off, is there any breaking news for the Jets? I guess you do have a bit of breaking news. You were just telling me right before this podcast occurred. A historic moments in Jet in Jets history. Yes. Well, the New York Jets finally beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the preseason, not the regular season. We're still zero and ten against them in the regular season, but. Um, We've yet to beat the Eagles in preseason for quite some time, and so we were able to defeat them in a very low-scoring game, six nothing, which is uh, that that it was a very interesting game to watch. Let's leave it at that. Gotta love week four of the preseason. Well, I mean, week four of the preseason, it, it's a lot of things. It's um, it's more or less what the fifty-three man rosters are going to look like. Who's been playing the longest, playing the most? You sit most of your starters because, you know, they're got to be ready for the next week. So, I mean, it's definitely see. It's nice to see who your backups are going to be. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I suppose in some regards we're kind of interested in certain backups at certain positions. But I think uh, for a couple of positions we kind of know who the starters are and where, uh, you know, where that workload's going. I guess we can talk about the – you know, I would say arguably, but it's not even close. It's the most important fantasy football player on the Jets, and it's very clearly Le'Veon Bell. Uh, so he, I mean, he's been accustomed to a, a large workload in in Pittsburgh, basically being an every down back, almost 100% snap uh, played. Do you think uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to see the same type of workload that he was accustomed to in Pittsburgh, or is it going to be? much more of a timeshare than what he's ever experienced before. So going off his 2017 stat, which is his last recorded year, he his workload was 321 rushes, and he did 291 yards. He 1,291 was yards. 1,291 yards. I'm sorry. I'm having a brain fart right now. And he was targeted 106 times and caught – uh, 85 of those for 655 uh, receiving yards. He will not be getting that much, but he will be receiving a lot. Um, our depth chart as it stands right now is Le'Veon Bell, 
Ty Montgomery II, Bilal Powell, Elijah McGuire, Trent Cannon, and Valentine Holmes. Um, we have our own 53-man roster cuts that we have to go through, which will say goodbye to some guys that I'm fond of. But um, Le'Veon Bell is definitely going to get the bulk of the load. And but he will not get that much of the load. Maybe just a little bit less. I mean, he's going to get a decent amount, but not 321 attempts, and he probably won't be targeted a hundred times. Maybe 70, 70, 60, 70, somewhere around there, and he'd probably get about 250 tar- uh, rushes. Maybe a little bit higher. Okay. No. Okay. So now saying 70 targets. That's he's that would probably mean he's not likely the top target on the team correct correct that will have to be belonging to robbie anderson okay so yeah um one thing i know you noticed and we've mentioned it before in the past was with sam darnold as a rookie he seemed to target the slot a lot but now it seems like robbie anderson's going to play on the outside uh so do you think sam's going to change where he targets simply because I don't know, because he found a connection with Robbie, so he's going to follow him to the outside, and that will allow Robbie to get to 120 targets? Or is it more that Gase is going to change the scheme to fit that way? It's going to be a little bit of a both. Um, in the final four weeks of the season last year, month of December, Sam Darnold was the highest-graded uh, QB, uh, six touchdowns, one interception, and he completed 79% of his passes. The majority of those shares went to Robbie Anderson, and Anderson's a field stretcher. He runs down the field. Um, And this is with Quincy Nua out. Um, So he had to rely on Robbie. He had to rely on Chris Herndon. So with Quincy Nua back, with Jameson Crowder, which are both slot guys, I think Adam Gase has to adjust. So I think we're going to see two slotted players and Robbie on the outside. Um, kind of like a um, Robbie stretching the field, Crowder going down and cut for uh, a field, and Crow and Inuma just playing the straight slot. So with um, Sam, he likes the slot, obviously, but I think he his safety blanket is Robbie and it's Herndon, but Herndon suspended the first four games, so it's probably going to go to Robbie and. Um, Q and Crowd are just going to have to, you know, share the load, I should say, because they're going to be a split slot slot. Um, so in, with that regards of them sharing the load, do you think that eats into their targets? Each each other eats into their targets to the point where Le'Veon Bell is actually the second most targeted Jet this year? It's a possibility. Um Sam, he's a second. He's coming to his second year, so he needs to make that leap, and Le'Veon can definitely help him. With that, there's going to be a lot of checkdowns to Le'Veon, so I think that's probably the only reason why he'll go there. But I think all the the true value yardage will probably go to Crowder or Q in the slot. But uh, yeah, Le'Veon could be the second most targeted guy, but not the second most you know yardage number receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the nature of his targets will be closer to the line of scrimmage than either probably an NY or Crowder would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I guess the one thing is, uh, you know, those are th- those are the three starters, right? Anderson and Unwood Crowder. There's no one else that's really, at least from a wide receiver 
sense coming in to steal away starting jobs? Yeah, those are the big three. The only one that I could actually see that would uh, steal anything is Greg Dortch. Um, he's our undrafted rookie. Um, I've talked about repeatedly on his show, and I really do love him. But he is a special teamer. He's a very good punt returner and possible kickoff returner, uh, depending on if we keep Trent Cannon or Elijah McGuire. Um, so I would not expect Dorch to take over, um, barring you know Quincy or Jameson getting hurt. Even then, next man up is Josh Bellamy. I'm um, assuming, yeah, Josh Bellamy, because he's actually signed, and then Tim White. So, uh, Dorch is buried a little bit, but, uh, you know, if he does really well, and if one of my stars get hurt, knocking on wood, um, then, yeah, Dorch would probably be the only one that actually I could see taking over. But, no, for right now, it's the big three, Crowder, Q, and Rob. Okay, uh, now I know all three of them, it seems like, have dealt with ailments and injuries of some sort throughout training camp. Can you talk about the health, the current health right now of all three of those guys? Well, Jameson, uh, well, Crowder was dealing with a knee injury, I want to say. I'm not entirely sure because he had a couple ailments, uh, but the, he's healthy now. He's a uh, full go. Uh, Robbie was healthy, uh, was hurt with a um, um, uh, the the shoulder issue, but this was earlier in the um the pre in the tre- uh, preseason training camp, so he is all good to go. Q is the one you gotta look out. He went down last year uh, with a significant injury to the knee, but he is back. He's in full hit me um, pad, so. They're all good now. It's just that I would be tentative about them because uh, with the type of injuries that they have and with the Jets, I wouldn't say blasting each other in practice, but they are hitting each other. So I would uh, tentatively be uh, keep an eye on them. So that would actually force people to pay attention to the Jets, I would say. Okay, so I think uh, offensively, the only question we really need to ask ourselves now is... Uh, so you've you've already touched on this. Chris Herndon is being suspended for the first four weeks of the season. So now what what's going to happen with the tight end position during his absence? Is there one particular player who's going to stand up, or is it just going to be a tight end by committee for, for, for those first four weeks? So it's more going to be a tight end by committee. Um, looking at the depth chart right now, we have... Um, and first off, I just want I just want to throw this in there so that way you know, Kyle. Robbie was dealing with a calf and shoulder. The shoulder's done, but the calf is still a little lingering, so he's questionable slash is able to play week one. Um, so he 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 should be good. And as far as the other two, they are fine and one hundred percent ready to go. So Robbie's the only one with some questions. So I had to throw that in there. But um, as far as the tight end position. With Herndon being suspended, you're looking at Ryan Griffin, Daniel Brown. Um, you're looking at one of their shows, possibly just one, because uh, I don't think the Jets are going to go that deep at tight end. So I think uh, odd man out is Ryan Griffin, even though he's been outperforming Daniel Brown. Um, neither one of them really good blocking tight end like Eric Tomlinson is. Eric Tomlinson can go out for a catch, but he's more of a blocker set. And then uh, our draft pick, Trayvon Wesco, um, he's 
He's gotten some love in the preseason, but he's been more used as a blocking tight end. So it's between Ryan Griffin and Daniel Brown right now going forward. All the money is on Daniel Brown because Daniel Brown is actually signed, but um, the guarantee money value is not very big. I think it's only $100,000. So I think the Jets will gamble on that, cut him, and then uh, keep Ryan Griffin on, uh, at least until Chris Herndon comes back. But um, there, it, you're going to see a couple of two tight end sets, uh, but mostly it's uh, they're going to regress back to having the tight end as a blocking position. Yeah, so I was gonna, you know, gonna ask that is, you know, is are any of them worth streaming in those first few weeks, whether it's Ryan Griffin or Daniel Brown, or do you think it's mostly just ignore that position until Herndon is back, at least for fantasy purposes? Um, it, that that's a tricky one. I would say you can stream them, uh, only because Sam does love to throw to the tight end. Um, once we had Sam Darnold, uh, the Jets' tight end position kind of got revigorated. I would say, um, actually, it got revigorated under Josh McCown. But uh, since Sam is our future starter, our future franchise starter, um, he, I would say him. But, uh, yeah, I would go with more Ryan Griffin, assuming he makes the team. Um, Rich Diamani, the Jets uh, reporter, he uh, put out a thing saying that Ryan wouldn't make the team and Daniel would. I have I have um, reverse roles about that. But for right now, um, yeah, you can stream a Jets tight end because Sam loves that nice security blanket between Bell and at the tight end position. I mean, certainly Ryan Griffin is much more of a – acumen for receptions i mean he has 136 career receptions whereas uh, i was looking at daniel brown he has 35 career catches and hasn't made a catch i think in since the 2017 season so uh certainly griffin never really a red zone guy but at least a guy that could make catches is you know at least that you know that presence is is there sort of but uh, again it's I know I'm looking on the outside. I'm pretty hesitant to stream any of them, especially if, if you know, is there a chance both make the team? Yeah, there's a chance both make the team. I mean, we're deep at running back right now. Like I said, there's Le'Veon Bell, Ty Montgomery, Bilal Powell, Elijah McGuire, Trent Cannon, and Valentine Holmes. And I know, Kyle, I got to break the rule. No talking about other teams. But um, one of the teams in the running for Jadavian Clowney of the Texans is the New York Jets. And... As we've talked about before on uh, a different podcast, I want to say it's the Seahawks. Um, right now, we could package one of our running backs and a pick or possible tackle to the um, Texans for Davian. So, um, yeah, I mean, both can make it depending on how this shapes up, how that all shakes out, and uh, whether or not uh, we want to go deep at a uh, wide receiver running back because – as you know, Ty Montgomery is a flex back. So is Valentine Holmes. So we could list them as wide receivers, but use them as running backs. Mm, that's true. I guess my concern streaming these tight ends in the first, you know, first four weeks is if both Griffin and Brown are there, it just it seems like it would just be a split role, and you'd you know it'd be impossible to know who's going to go off each week. Whereas if only one of them is there, then it, it, I would consider it. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see on on the final cuts in the next uh, 48 hours, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so I think, okay, well, you've already mentioned the stable of running backs. Uh, is there one guy 
behind Bell that seems to be the true backup, the the one guy that's going to always be the first call whenever Bell comes out? Or is it just a flat-out committee behind Bell? I wouldn't call it flat-out committee, um, but that's how it's shaping up to be. So, definitively, it's Bell. And then you're looking at Ty Montgomery taking the next biggest chunk of uh, shares. He's been phenomenal in the preseason. Um, but he's also a wide receiver running back set. So, you know, going to a pure running back will have to be Bilal Powell. Powell, as you know, uh, went down with neck injury last season. Um, that could be a career ender, but luckily and thankfully he's back. And uh, he's, he looked good. And then um, after that, it's Elijah McGuire and Valentine Holmes over Trenton Cannon. Um, Holmes is also a Ty Montgomery situation. Could be also Sly as a wide receiver. And he's been making some noise and some rumblings. But McGuire has been uh, a true cowbell back. But like I said, um, McGuire or Powell can be packaged out in the Jadavian deal should that happen with the Jets. So... um, if one one of those two guys goes, then this is entirely the Ty Montgomery show. But until then, those it's those three guys as far as a committee goes. So let's and speaking of Ty Montgomery and where he's kind of going in drafts right now, uh, the apparently the fourteenth round is the is the place to get your Jets. Uh, uh, there's th- so looking at PPR ADP right now, there are three Jets going in the fourteenth round: Chris Herndon at tight end. Uh, we have Ty Montgomery at running back, as you mentioned, and then Sam Darnold as well. So it's, uh, I mean, at that point, it's almost pick your, you know, team dependent, pick the position you need to to fill out. I know my hesitation with Herndon is the one reason that I'm probably not going to end up with any of him this year is that I really don't like taking two tight ends. Uh, I usually just stream the position. And so, you know, I, I can't, I can't draft a guy that's going to miss the first four games, but if you can stomach that and stream for four weeks, do you think he's worth holding on to? And do you think he's going to be a consistent uh, tight end, you know, week in, week out to justify being drafted? Oh, God, yeah. Um, a lot of things people like to diss on the Jets is that we don't have – we're in a division with the Patriots, so it's Patriots this, Patriots that. Listen. Not on this show. It's, it's Jets this, Jets that. Shut up. Um, <laughs> so wow. Hey man. Okay. Now, now I'm being I, I deserved it. Now, now I'm defensive. <laughs> um, look, Sam Darnold was like I said was the highest graded rookie, um, highest grade QB the last four weeks. Before that, he was not the highest graded, but the the person who got the most target shares, the most love, was Herndon. Herndon was, I wouldn't call him a touchdown-dependent tight end, but he was getting a bulk share of the touchdowns. Um, he went he, he went as high as 15 points one week or low as two points one week. But there's a nice little lull period against playoff teams that he, he just balled out. And so Herndon, I could... The, the best way I can compare Herndon is to a Jimmy Graham, like a younger Jimmy Graham when he was able to get in those areas and slot himself up as the best. Um, 
he if you could draft him in the final round of whatever you want and then you know stream i would totally do that i've seen people take him um he's currently finishing as tight end eight and he's worse he's tight end 18 so i i could see people um taking him stashing him and then playing him later on like i said he led all rookie tight ends that's huge for herndon um well that's huge for the jets in general but uh, 502 yards, he averaged about 12.9 yards per catch. Um, he snagged up four touchdowns last year, which doesn't seem a lot, uh, like a lot. But um, he got targeted a lot. He had the yardage. He was targeted a lot. And he was targeted a lot against, you know, playoff teams. So, to me, that's that that's huge. You know, that's saying that he... Um, he, they need that, you know, Jimmy Graham style. Get in the areas where you could just take off and explode, you know, like the old Jimmy Graham that we know and feared. <laughs> um, so that's why that that's why I'm, you know, a little defensive on Herndon because people just, you know, rag on him because he's a Jet. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I rag on him because he's getting suspended, but yeah, uh, I, I do see that, that because that, it, that's fine. He could do that. Okay, well, good. I, I'm going to continue to do that because I mean, as much as I mean, it was great. I, I know I picked him up last year, and I, I was trying to play him during that stretch where three straight games of a touchdown, and then it sort of sort of kind of disappeared after that. But a part of that was games where uh, Darnold was hurt and Josh McCown, right? It was McCown that was the backup last year. Yeah, it was McCown, and McCown favored a. Uh, favor Robbie Moore but then again McCown was not the same McCown that he had the year before because of the hand injury mm-hmm. so so I mean the interesting thing with Herndon is he and Darnold were both drafted the same year so they've been pretty much able to develop with each other right from the get-go so that's a that's sort of a nice sentiment that uh again I'm not necessarily sold fully on him this year I'm really excited for 2020 though that you know third year of a for a, a third year of a career for a tight end tends to be there are massive breakouts, but you can kind of already said Herndon kind of broke out as a rookie, so we'll see if he uh, continues to expand on that role. Now, uh, do you are you are do you think we've covered the offense pretty well? Do you want to get to the defense now? The only thing I will say about the offense is people are sleeping on Sam Darnold, and I know I'm a Jets fan. I know I'm biased, but here's my spiel about it. Last year, our offensive line was god-awful. It really was. Uh, we were 28th in um, defending the against the run. We were, like, th- 29th against uh, edge rushers. We were, like, 30th in um, allowing the run to develop. And so we got rid of those guys. Part of it was Spencer Long and a few other guys that allowed – Darnold to get hurt, but you know that's also kind of blessing in disguise. But now this year we have a newer, better offensive lineman. Um, Kevin Beecham is back, which is one of the higher graded offensive uh, linemen. Uh, we traded for Clutchio Assembly, which is a three-time, three or four-time Pro Bowler, one or two, from Oakland. So he's definitely going to be able to cover uh, Sam's blind side. We somehow got Ryan Khalil to come out of retirement. I don't know how that happened, but we got him. Um, we traded for Alex Lewis from the um, Ravens, and he's been phenomenal so far in our preseason and in the Ravens preseason. Um, backup in the center is Jonathan Harrison, which is a very good center because he's just flat. He went from guard 
to tackle to center, and he's really shining at center. And then on the other side, we have Brian Winters and Brandon Shell. Winters got hurt, so it's something we got to look at. But Shell has been a rising star phenomenally. So looking at the year before to this year, I could, I could say with 100% certainty and non-biasedness that that offensive line is tremendously better, it is hugely better. And that and it's definitely shown that they could open up holes for running backs. So that's definitely going to boost Le'Veon Bell. And it's definitely keep, been keeping Sam upright. I think while Sam was in during preseason, during the starters, um, he's only been sacked once, which is huge because they played a couple of series here and there. Then he grew and then he grew. So um, the fact that they're able to keep Sam upright and stop the pass rush with starter versus starter, um, I think people are sleeping on Sam, but that's fine. Let him sleep. Okay, well... Uh... It, yeah, offensive line is a super important aspect for all fantasy teams, and it's, it does some, kind of seem like it goes underappreciated at times, especially for fantasy football purposes. So uh, getting a better offensive line is certainly going to help. I know Le'Veon Bell's running style kind of dictates that he needs a really great offensive line, and he can make the most of it, but he still seems like it'd be tough for him to play behind like a, like what Houston has, for instance. So, uh, But yeah, let's switch sides of the ball. So talk about your defense. Start. Our defense has been making some noise as well, um, and it's been definitely been an upgrade. So um, the news there, we lost um, um, Avery Williamson to injury. He tore his ACL, so he is out for the new year. Um, we did trade for a cornerback. Um, I can't remember his name. It was from the it was from the Colts. Um, I think it's Marcus Cooper. I'm not entirely sure, but we trade for him. He managed to get an interception tonight during the game um, against the Philadelphia Eagles, where we somehow won. So that it's nice to see our backup corners actually doing something with Trumaine Johnson and Carryon Brown uh, nursing um, hamstring injuries. Johnson was seen today in practice, full pads, full gear. So it seems like he is complete with his hamstring. And that he is uh, better and ready to go. Uh, Brown, he still has the no contact jersey on, but um, as far as that goes, uh, he could come back uh, week two at best. Um, Perry Nickerson's been playing the slot. Brian Poole's been playing the slot. They've had Daryl Roberts on the outside playing CB one, and so it's just that that that's uh, the cornerback situation has been a little bit sketchy. Um, but Jamal Adams and Marcus May have more than enough been uh, taking up the rear and protecting the Jets' secondary. Obviously, Jamal Adams, number one safety, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinions, in the NFL, best safety, Mr. Prez. Um, he's been uh, he he's willing to switch to corner. That's how that's how much we need help on corner. But I think with the showing tonight, um, we've definitely improved on corner. So that that's a that's a huge thing. And then as far as our linebacker position, Jordan Jenkins, Frankie Luvu, uh, Brandon Copeland, and Ja'Kai Polite have been the big names as far as our edge rushers. Um, Jenkins has been phenomenal, and he barely gets talked about. Um, Copeland's been lacking, and he may be cut, which is a surprise cut. But uh, he may be cut. Frankie Luvu may be filling his low. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, our third-round draft pick, he uh, 
he's not been that great. But then again, uh, Greg Williams has been playing Cam different than what he's used to. So it's more of a developmental year, I would say, for Polite. So it's definitely interesting to see. C.J. Mosley, Anthony Witt, Neville Hewitt, and Blake Cashman have been phenomenal in our uh, middle run stopping. Obviously, Mosley, the, one of the better inner, inside linebackers. He's teamed up with his little brother, Jamie Mosley. Um, they've been a phenomenal one-two punch duo, stopping everything. And we just recently signed Stephon Anthony from the Miami Dolphins. Um Formerly an M. Gase pick, so it's a little biased there, but he's shown some goodness, so we'll definitely see what that's all about. And then our D line. Um, I'm actually excited for a D line. That's saying a lot. I've not been excited for this Jets D line in a long time. Leonard Williams, Steve McLennan, Henry Anderson, uh, Quinnen Williams, our third overall draft pick, Bronson, Kafusi, uh, he they've all been Phenomenal. The only odd man out is Nathan Shepard, the third-round pick from last draft with Sam Darnold. Um, he came out of Fort Hayes State. It was a McNoon uh, project. He's not really developed much, so he could be a surprise cut, but um, it's anyone's guess because we're a little bit deep on most positions, actually. So now, for fantasy football purposes, what, where do you see that? Do you do you feel like that all you know with these changes that that have been made and the pieces that were already there? Do you think they're worthy of of playing in you know fantasy wise? I do, but I think it's a streaming situational basis um, until I can see proven otherwise. Um, we played the AFC North and the NFC East this year. You got the Giants, you got uh, Cincinnati, you got um, uh, we also play Oakland as well, um, and the Jaguars. So those are definitely team uh, that we could do well against. We play Miami twice a year, so that's definitely a team you want to do well against. The Bills is a iffy team. They have a quiet top five defense right there so that's a little bit scary to think about but um josh allen doesn't really have that many receivers up there so that could be something if it's a home turf game because we are one of the better home turn uh leaders patriots don't even think about it because they'll probably get blown out winning and <laughs> winning in real life yes lose uh winning in fantasy no uh browns steelers ravens obviously those are High-power offenses, they're probably mash my defense. Um, I would not trust it against them. So it's a, it's, it's definitely a streaming option, but you got, you just got to play it week to week to see who we're playing against. Um, obviously, against the weaker teams, could have one or two surprise teams, depending on if they have an injury or if we just decide to gel really well. So, um, yeah, I think they're, I think this is a streaming option and um, a top 20 um, at minimum defense. Okay, and I'm looking at it, and it's really a, like almost a tale of two seasons. So, yeah, week one, hosting the Bills, I, I consider playing them then. So, you know, any team with a good week one matchup is is going to get draft consideration from me. So I would definitely consider drafting the, the Jets just so I could play them week one and then drop them immediately because they have the Browns, the Patriots, a bye week, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Patriots. So that's a that's a pretty brutal stretch where I don't think they're rosterable. Uh, but after that, 
Uh, great to pick him up maybe week eight at the Jaguars. That I mean, maybe maybe that's a, I don't know, maybe with that run offense that could they could put up points. But then I, I would hear, I would say one thing about that. The last two times we played the Jaguars, we beat. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. The last three times we played the Jaguars, they've won the last series, and we won the last two after that, and we played them the past three times in the past five years. So in recent history, we've have beaten the Jaguars, and okay. we did have good fantasy points. Yeah, because just winning a game doesn't necessarily mean a, a good fantasy performance from your defense. Uh, so yeah, so the, maybe the Jaguars is a, is an option. That's when, I, but then it's after that that I'm really excited at Miami, week nine, hosting the Giants week ten in a regular season Snoopy Bowl, uh, and then at Washington week eleven. And then you get the Raiders at the Bengals and then the Dolphins. So maybe the Raiders have a good offense, but if they don't. If they're struggling for the season, that would definitely be a game to target them. The Bengals, same thing. There's hope there. There's potential. But at the same time, that offensive line is pretty brutal. And then, again, circle around with Miami right at the start of the fantasy playoffs. So uh, that middle stretch of the season, if you need to, you know, a push to get into the playoffs, maybe the Jets' defense provides that that push. Because that is really nice how their schedule is lined up. You can pick them up week nine and pretty much hold them in, until you get to the fantasy playoffs. So, yeah, uh, I I definitely like the Jets during that stretch. So, you know, and it's going to be to pay attention to how those teams are playing. Because, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Raiders are an amazing offense and then you want to not play the Jets defense against them. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to keep uh, watching how things uh, unfold before us. I would like to say I am proud of you because you did call my uh, bout with the Giants a Snoopy Bowl, and uh, a lot of people say that. That made me proud, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I got, I know Jets, a Jets fan, obviously. I also know one of my good friends is a Giants fan, too. So I uh, definitely have heard that expression before. Uh, I, it, it was weird this year because, I mean, wasn't it the preseason opener? I thought usually you guys played the Snoopy Bowl preseason, uh, always week three of the preseason. So is, is, did that change suddenly? It's usually about the weeks, uh, preseason week three and week four. Um Anytime we play the Giants, we usually play them a lot earlier in the preseason. It's always been like that. It's weird, oh, and after okay. that, we're and then after that, we're back to playing them in like the latter part. I I, I don't understand it, but it's to me, it's whatever. Um, because the preseason, I, I don't want to say it's irrelevant because it's very relevant as far as fantasy goes, but um, I just don't care. I mean, we lost them this this year in preseason. I was just happy that football was back. Let's put it that way. So I mean, um, yeah, those week season pre uh, preseason week one losses can soften the bit of the blow for the fact that you're watching NFL football, even if it's not necessarily games that matter, but uh, results anyway in games that matter. Because certainly the evaluation that coaches get to do with those preseason games is invaluable to constructing their 53 man rosters. Oh yeah, big time. And uh, the thing about it is. We play in the same stadium, so no team has an advantage, so to speak. There we're, we're both New York teams. We both play in the same stadium. That's why it's called the Battle of Snoopy Bowl, because um, we both play in MetLife. So it's definitely an interesting game, and it's usually a hard-fought game. Um, it's usually buckle-down defense, hard-fought game, Battle of New York. The last three times, the Jets have been on top 
I think the last time the Giants were on top was the last time they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, to be completely honest. So uh, it's been a while for them. But like I said, the Giants, they, they've they improved, but uh, it's always been the battle of Snoopy Bowl, and that's always been the deciding factor every time we play them this year. And um, as far as my defense goes, I, I, I think they are a very viable streaming option from weeks 8 to 14. And then after that, I would not trust them. That Ravens defense will probably, that Ravens offense will probably chew us up. Same thing with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And then we're playing in the cold tundra that is known as Buffalo. So I wouldn't trust it. That's weird. Opening against Buffalo, closing against Buffalo. And I mean, uh, you know, if we only always, we had weeks, if we had we week 17, <laughs> week 17 fantasy would be great for, to play against Buffalo, but if, we don't really do leagues that go to week seventeen. We we shun those leagues that do that. Dynasty? No. Um, oh, even most dynasty leagues I know finish week sixteen. No one really goes to week seventeen. It's no, 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 no. That'd be too much. Now, I will say this: we've always started against a AFC rival and always finished against one. Last year it was the Patriots. The year before that it was the. Uh, the Dolphins. The year before that was the Patriots, and the year before that was the 2015 season. That I'm still pissed about mm-hmm. was the Dol- mm-hmm. was the Bills. Yeah, when Rex Ryan had the Bills number. <laughs> um, but I mean, and I mean that's not necessarily unusual. I guess maybe back then they they weren't. It wasn't always, but I know for the last few seasons, the NFL has always made it so that it's everyone plays a divisional opponent week 17. That's that's something that they want to do. You know. In case there's a playoff race for a divisional t- title, it just makes it so that it's more likely to come down to the final week and make that those games interesting and more important and more meaningful. Yeah, unless you've blown out of the war like the Patriots usually do. <laughs> yeah, um, let's hope that doesn't happen this year. Even though I get the sense that they are once again winning the AFC East, and uh, it's not like they're winning it's a not Super like they're negative four fifty favorites. Uh, sorry to bring that up during the Jets episode, but this this was the Jets episode of the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. Uh, Alessandro, do you have any final comments about the Jets? I do. Um, our kicking situation is that I think we're settling on Taylor uh, Bertro, Bertolo. Um, he's been a much better kicker than the Catman since the Catman since retired. So um, yeah, I remember seeing that in the offseason. You can't so retired. If they need, if uh, anyone needs a kicker and all the good, really good kickers is, I would take a a, a very long look at Taylor. Uh, he's he's been shooting at 60-70% in this preseason, but uh, before that, he was been a really good kicker. So I would take a look at him altogether. And other than that, I would say uh, stop sleeping on the Jets. They are uh, an up-and-coming team. And this year and next year, mostly next year. Yeah, I mean, and they have a first round fantasy pick this year. It's not it hasn't really been the case for Jets in a in quite some time. So Le'Veon Bell definitely gives them some uh, some more fantasy football cachet. Oh yeah, love Le'Veon Bell. And here's the one thing I want to say about Le'Veon Bell that I never got to. When Le'Veon Bell went out and he just sat out the entire season. When he left 2017, he was healthy. He was fully healthy when he sat out mm-hmm. the entire year, which is huge. It's not like he got hurt and then, you know, he nursed it, rehabbed the injury, 
and then just sat out the entire 2018 season. No, he was healthy when he sat out. So coming back, it's not more of a concern for health reasons than people would just shy away. It's the fact that he may have a little bit rust. So it's going to take him a week or two to get back to his form. But the fact that he left healthy is huge. So he'll be able to just come right back into it. He still that he could just come right back and take a hit. You know, in the in the in the years before he would always sit out because of a hammy or a broken leg or something stupid and so he you you have to work him back into the offense. No, he's healthy. He's ready to go. He's not had anything during preseason. He's well, he's not played during preseason, but he's not had anything during training camp and he's been hit hard. By one of the hardest hitting safeties in the league, Jamal Adams, he's hit him. <laughs> like, full on, I'm just going to mm. knock your block off, hit him. So we know he could take a hit. But then again, it was against his own teammates, so it may be a little bit halted. But Bell can take a hit, and he is ready to go. So that's the one thing I would say about fantasy owners to not shy away from Bell. Okay, and I mean, again, he is being drafted in the first round, so people definitely aren't shying away from him. Although I know you have him much higher, like 105 than what his average draft position, which is, I mean, it's not that much lower. I think it's 108. I think he's, yeah, 107, 108, and I have yeah. 105. Mm-hmm. So, so I know yeah. you th- you still think we're sleeping on him a little bit, but uh, ultimately he is a first-round pick. So, um, <laughs> Ray, that the Jets have a first-round fantasy pick. Yes! <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so thank you, Alessandro, for coming, uh, sharing your Jets expertise. I know... Uh, you, you've been wanting to share it every episode anyway, so may as well dedicate an entire episode to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was the Jets episode, as we you may have known. We did mention the word Jets uh, about 747 times. 748. Well, uh, 747, right? That's why. Right? Stop. Okay, just stop. You kill mm. me, Tom. Not, not the Jets. Not the Jets. I mean, it wasn't really a pun. It was a number. Oh, yeah, so it was a, it was just, a punny just, number. Okay. Just, you can find me at AM Senator. That's where my Twitter handle is. I do fantasy football. I write for the Jets. I write for the Panthers. Um, I will be releasing some Panthers articles soon for those Panther fans that actually listen to this. And um, I write fantasy with Kyle Senra. And I write... Um, and I write football for the New York Jets. So you'll find me on all three of those platforms, plus my own Twitter handle. Yes, and that's AM underscore Senator. Yes. Don't want people uh, being confused and following the wrong person. Um, but you know what we, What you should follow is this podcast at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. And be sure to check us out anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as on the Full Press Radio Network, which is... 24-7 streaming something, syndicating, sometimes live. I know most of these team-by-team episodes of this podcast will actually be put on repeat during Labor Day weekend, so it would be a big marathon of that, so you can always check out the Full Press Radio Network for that. Uh, and, yeah, my Twitter account is Nyama, at Nyama underscore KS, N-Y-A-M-A underscore KS. Uh, and once again, Alessandro, we did the Jets episode. Must be so happy. Yay! Uh, And yes, this was the Jets episode of the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. Take flight!